Blaze Radio Network. And now, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. Well, it is that time of year again. CableTV.com. I love this bit, and I really do. Uh, I I really do want the job. It's a chief of cheer. <laughs> uh, CableTV.com is doing their you know holiday tradition. They do it every year, and you can uh, you have to watch twenty five movies in twenty five days. So, and for for that, you get twenty five hundred dollars. And you get uh, free Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, Amazon Prime, Max, Apple TV Plus, Hallmark movies now uh, for a year. That's a good, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. And all you have to do is watch 25 movies in 25 days. And then, of course, you have to keep track of the movies you watch, rank it in three categories, nostalgia, heartwarming storytelling, holiday cheer, Plus, they want you to talk about uh, the streaming service you used and was the streaming service uh, easy to use? Do you have any problems using the streaming service? Uh, does the service have a good selection of holiday films? And they want you to be honest. doesn't say anything else about having to do anything uh, on social media. Usually, they want you to post stuff on social media as well, which is uh, kind of strange that CableTV.com does not want to do that. But you can go to their website, CableTV.com to apply for the job. Now, I find it interesting that uh, you have to be, uh, you have to obviously have to be, and I say obviously, I don't know why, but you have to be a United States resident, uh, at least 18 years of older. And uh, they'll let you know after you apply if you've won by December 5th. If the winner cannot be reached, then they pick a new winner. Now, you have seven days to accept or decline the dream job, but uh, you have to, and it says here, remember, you need to watch all the movies before the end of December, so don't wait around. What happens if you don't watch all the movies by the end of December? Do they send, like, a little cabletv.com elf to your house and beat you silly with a candle? I don't know. I'm just asking. I'm just, I'm just asking the question. I just want to know what happens if you don't and then they give you a long list of movies that uh, you could possibly watch and it doesn't matter they even say last year's chief of cheer enjoyed eight crazy nights during their holiday marathon they don't all have to be christmas movies that's the point of the thing uh they give you a list of all these uh christmas movies and i will say uh die hard is on the list so that argument is is uh for not on uh, on this home alone one of my favorites. Watch that Polar Express. Watch that every year. I, I this is a good gig. Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, classic. I could write. I could do this right now. I don't even have to watch them. I just give you the reviews of them. Anyway, it's a good gig. So if you want that, go to cabletv.com. Yeah, for the month of December, twenty five hundred bucks and a year subscription to those apps. That's pretty sweet. Welcome. Good luck though. If I apply, I'm winning. Welcome to chewing the fat. <laughs> And I would not want to be one of the 40 workers trapped in an underground construction tunnel that partially collapsed four days ago in the in India, in the uh, Uttarakhand state. You can quote me on that. U-T-T-A-R-A-K-H-A-N-D. Amorphophallus. Yeah, I don't know that that's pronounced that way. Okay, so the cause of the collapse 
is under investigation. That's pretty sweet. The workers are reported to be safe and receiving oxygen and water via a pipe. I don't know what kind of pipe it is. I don't know if it's extra long, if it's a bong, if it's a special wooden pipe, a glass pipe. Not sure. Uh, no, no. <laughs> yeah, it's a bong. That's what it is. That's what it is underground. Uh, they're stranded about 500 feet into a large section of a nearly three-mile highway tunnel. So after failing to create an access route due to falling debris... Rescuers have begun to bore horizontally to insert a steel escape pipe measuring nearly three feet in diameter into the cavern. I'm not coming through that three feet diameter thing. I mean, I'm stuck. I'm down there forever. <laughs> Just keep keep pumping me the bong water and uh, the, the oxygen. I'm good. Okay. Uh, they'll be able to crawl out through. Ah, not all of them. Uh, well, maybe they'll be thin enough by the time they're rescued. So the tunnel is part of the Char Dam Highway Project, which is a a federal government project connecting key Hindu pilgrimage sites in Uttarakhand. Amorphophallus. Yeah, I'm not sure that it's pronounced that way. Uh, the project has faced criticism and raised environmental concerns in the earthquake-prone Himalayan region. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, it hasn't even, they haven't even finished that. They got people trapped in there. Uh, I hope they all get out and get be, be rescued. But, wow, I'm glad I am not one of those people. I don't know that I even want to be people in Iceland. Okay, we got those people stuck in a pipeline in India. Uh, now we've got uh, people in Iceland. I, I, I think you leave. You get out of there, right? I mean, they've got volcanic eruptions going on thousands of times. Uh, they've evacuated, uh, you know, a complete city. Uh, ahead of what's expected to be this huge eruption. Uh, flights at the International Airport are still operating as usual. So, okay, they hadn't really experienced volcanic activity for 800 years before an eruption happened in 2021. Icelandic officials warned of an eminent volcanic eruption following tens of thousands of earthquakes since late October, including 2,000 yesterday. I mean, today, if you're listening live, is the 15th of November, 2023. So, I mean, just yesterday, they had over 2,000 earthquakes um, leave. Iceland's going to be gone. Isn't that where it used to be, Iceland? Yeah, yeah, that's what used to be, Iceland. So officials say there's an underground tunnel of magma 9.3 miles long, and it's currently moving toward upward below the Earth's surface and the ground in north and western parts of Grindavik. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they don't pronounce it like that. G-R-I-N-D-A-V-I-K. And it has subsided by about three feet. Yeah, okay, good luck. Iceland is the home to more than 100 volcanoes, 32 of which are active, and is among the most volcanically active places in the world, with about one eruption every five years. Uh, Yeah, it's located on the Mid-Atlantic Ridge, where the Eurasian and North American tectonic plates meet. I mean, I don't have to tell you that. You know that. And so what we're soon, 
And what do you do? Uh, where do you, I guess just send them to the same place San Francisco sent the people when they cleaned up the city because nobody knows what happened to them. They just go, what happened to the people? They're gone. We don't know. I, I mean, did they just dig a hole and bury them? Oh, that's too mean. Oh, okay. All right. Then tell me what happened to the people. All right. Tell me what happened. I was reading. I guess they just moved them out of the city. I know they didn't bury them in a hole. I got it. It was just a joke. Calm down. You mean you'd be okay with that? How dare you? How dare you? Those people are struggling. I just know that they've cleaned the streets of San Francisco and nobody asks, hey, uh, what happened to the people? Where did all the people go? So I guess you have to do the same with the people in San Francisco that you have to do with the people in Iceland. They just have to go away. I mean, I would if I lived in Iceland, I don't know. I, 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 I don't, it'd be very difficult for me to stay. Now, you live there. You've lived there your whole life, right? And you're like, nothing like this has obviously happened before. You've got thousands of earthquakes going off. But you're like, that's eh, Iceland. We'll be fine. And you see the ground splitting apart and cracking. I don't know if you've ever seen the documentary Volcano. I mean, that documentary, (laughs) uh, same thing happening in L.A., the dangerous lava flow through the streets of L.A., only this is happening in Iceland. I mean, Volcano, that documentary, that's with uh, Anne Heche, rest in peace, Anne. Uh, She did not win the the, uh, Academy Award for her role in that movie. She should have, though, because there's my favorite scene from Anne Heche in the movie Volcano where she says, whoa, I mean, it's riveting. And it's still just me thinking about it now uh, makes me realize what a great actress Anne Heche really was. Whoa. So the hate for Russell Brand continues. I don't understand it, but, man, they are after this guy. So now the BBC has said that a total of five complaints were made about Russell Brand's behavior while he hosted radio shows between 2006 and 2008. Two of these complaints were made in the last two months since a review of his time at the BBC was launched. Those two complaints are understood to be uh, related to his workplace conduct not anything sexual the other three were made before he was publicly accused in september of rape and sexual assault which he denies so uh one was first made in 2019 relates to a previously report allegation of misconduct on bbc premises in los angeles in 2008 oh no oh no uh earlier uh, the comedian actor was accused of rape and sexual assault yeah, yeah yeah we got all that um the investigation also included claims about his wider behavior towards women and his workplace conduct over the same period one claim and this is how horrific russell brand was okay and i mean holy cow uh, just out of control there were complaints made against brand Uh, It was clear from the audience feedback that there was a wider concern about the tone and content of some of Russell Brand's shows. You bastard. There was concern about tone and conduct and content 
Uh, same thing, conduct content of some of Russell Brand's shows. I mean, they are just tearing this guy up for nothing. Just nothing. Now, they claim that there was, uh, he had teenage girls driven to his home via BBC cars. Um, but there's no proof of it. It's just a claim. Yeah, he had teenage girls. Uh, they used BBC cars to ship them to his house. Oh, okay. Well, the BBC says, yeah, um, we don't have any records of that. Uh, we don't specifically now they, now this is how they cover their ass. Yeah. Um, those, uh, records we don't have. It was prior to, uh, there's no centralized record of staff complaints or regarding bullying or harassment or, or anything of the travel notes for the cars. We don't have those records. So there's no way to confirm or deny it. So it's just a matter of they're saying it. And Russell has to be the one to say, uh, wasn't me. I don't know what you're talking about. So we're just going to tear this guy down. Just incredible. Uh, anyway, I, 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 you know, just know that Russell Brand is, uh, seemingly, seemingly done. I mean, they want to, they want to finish him. They want to finish him off. They don't like what he was doing. They don't like what he was saying. We're just going to go ahead and take him down. Because he was actually talking about freedom and people having their own personal choices. And we can't have that, can we? All right, let's go to the break room. I need something cold to drink desperately. So they found a bunch more Civil War relics uh, on Earth in a cleanup of a South Carolina river where Union troops dumped Confederate military equipment. I guess this was their demoralizing blow for rebel forces in the birthplace of the secessionist movement. Uh, the artifacts were discovered while crews removed tar-like material from the Congaree River uh, and uh, bring new tangible evidence of Union General William T. Sherman's ruthless Southern campaign toward the end of the Civil War. Uh, really cool. Uh, they found you know bullets and cannonballs and swords. Uh, it, it, they blew up. I guess they found a, a, a wheel actually that belonged to a wagon that blew up uh, during the supply dumps. Kind of cool that you would actually find a, a wagon wheel in all these relics. I, uh, you know, so there, one unexploded, uh, munition was found and they sent that to Shaw air force base and, uh, the remaining artifacts won't be displayed for a couple more years. They've got to go through them all. But I, what they were doing was cleaning this river and they were cleaning the riverbed of this toxic tar. Um, okay. Uh, what are we doing with the toxic tar now? is my question. I know we're removing it from the riverbed because the earth would not be able to recycle stuff like that. That earth doesn't recycle things. <laughs> that is just stupid. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, I'd just like to know what we're doing with the toxic tar, but the completion of this, uh, this, uh, cleanup is now done. Only cost 20 million. Don't worry about it. And we found some uh, some relics. I do love the uh, the the things that they have found in the near past. So they found stuff in 2016 after Hurricane Matthew came through. They found a bunch of cannonballs, 
and then Hurricane uh, Dorian came through, and they found some more cannonballs. Then last year, I'm trying to remember if I remember seeing this or not, and I, I just don't. Last year in Georgia, 19 cannons were found. Uh, they found an amazing condition in the Savannah River. Experts say the cannons likely came from British ships scuttled to the river bottom during the American Revolution. The American Revolution cannons in the bottom of this river. Really cool. And then in 2015, wreckage from the Confederate warship, the CSS Georgia, was raised to the surface of the Savannah River. The vessel was scuttled by its own crew to prevent General Sherman from capturing uh, the gunship when his Union troops took Savannah in December of 1864. So I, I really want to go take a look at these 19 cannons. That would be, those would be fun. Now, are they going to be able to be used? Who knows? Is there pictures of them? Oh, yeah. Uh, it looks like they're not going to be able to be used. Uh, just, just so you know, if you're thinking about, you know, we could probably fire those things. Yeah, probably not. I mean, they're keeping them in tubs of water now as they're slowly preserving them so that they don't, you know, deteriorate anymore. Pretty incredible. Uh, they've got, uh, they've got, you know, the U.S. government and all these, the, uh, the, the French government and the Great Britain are all involved in it now. Just amazing because they believe that these ships obviously were scuttled and then there they lay. Now, the longer guns appear to match cannons manufactured in France during the mid-1700s. So, I mean, they're looking for ship logs and manifests and hoping of confirming the uh, armaments aboard those ships. Really amazing. Really amazing stuff. Anyway, uh, it'd be fun to go take a look at all these. You know, when you're going through Georgia, just stop in and say, hey, I'd like to see those cannons. They'll let you right in. Good news. I mean, we're right around the corner from Thanksgiving, right? We're almost a week away, a little over a week away by a day uh, from Thanksgiving. And uh, if you're planning a road trip, you're going to spend a lot less on gas. <laughs> Everything else is more expensive, though. <laughs> Joke's on you. <laughs> but uh, the plummeting, they claimed plummeting gas prices. Uh-huh. Uh, U.S. drivers will save a collective $1.2 billion this Thanksgiving during the travel period compared to last year. This is according to Gas Buddy. The average price per gallon is down nearly 46 cents from a year ago, and more than 50,000 stations show gas prices at 2.99 a gallon or less. That's a lot less in uh, my neck of the woods. It's like 2.60 a gallon for regular gas. So, uh, and I, I keep thinking that it's going to start shooting back up again, and it hasn't. Something is going on, and I don't know what it is, but I don't like it because I feel like we're going to get we're going to get screwed in the end. You can quote me on that. I feel like we're going to get screwed in the end because that's usually what happens. So all the money that you saved because uh, gas is so cheap. <laughs> oh, you could spend on, you know, food for Thanksgiving because all of that is, I'm sure, so much cheaper than last year. Wait, what? It isn't? No? Okay, well, never mind then. More good news. Uh Superstar, superstar Pink said she plans to give away thousands of what she called banned books during her upcoming tour stops in Florida 
following legislation which prohibits classroom instruction about sexual orientation and gender identity in schools. That's great. That's great, Pink. That's really nice of you. I know during her Instagram Live on Sunday, which was, I'm sure, riveting, uh, I actually opened it up and started listening to it a little bit, and I couldn't take it, so I moved on. But uh, Pink, Pink, 44 now, she's teamed up with the Pen America, P-E-N America nonprofit organization, to give away 2,000 books throughout her four concert dates in the state, which she said are banned. Books have held a special joy for me from the time I was a child, and that's why I'm unwilling to stand by and watch while books are banned by schools. It's especially hateful to see authorities take aim at books about race and racism and against LGBTQ authors and those of color. We've made so many strides toward equality in this country, and no one should want to see this progress reversed. No more banned books. Um, Yeah, I'm a voracious reader, and I'm a mom of two kids who are also voracious readers, and I can't imagine my own parents telling me what my kids can and cannot read. Um, That's the point, Pink. Uh, The parents can do that if they want, just not in school. Anyway, if you want some of the books in Florida, you can go to the pink shows and get some of those books that aren't actually banned. You just can't read them in schools. (laughs) Uh, That's all. That's all there is. You don't want those. You know, who doesn't want the porno for the elementary school kids? Really? You know what? Come to think of it. Right. Oh, more the more porn, the better. Right. Hi, Pink here. Tired of your kids not being able to see porn at school? Learning what it's like for LGBTQ, IA plus two, Q, P, I. I'm Pink. P I N K. It was just agonizing. It was just it's so stupid. The whole thing. You know, the books that uh, you can't have in school, Gender Queer, uh, This Book is Gay, Flamer, Let's Talk About It. I bet she has no idea. I bet she has no idea. And maybe if she does, she's not as, well, I was going to give her credit for being some kind of smart, but. Uh, from the book, this book is gay. Why are you gay? Part one, boy on boy sex. That's good. That should be taught in schools for sure. Uh, oh, look at this. Oh, my gosh. Some of the drawings in the, the this is gender queer. Actually, <laughs> actually shows uh boy on boy taking care of each other uh, that's awesome that, you that's what you want in school right there that is what you want in school isn't it yes yes it is also one of the books i believe it's in the book this book is gay but i'm not sure about that it has instructions of how sex apps work which is important for all elementary school uh children 
Uh, it, it gives you the upload tiny pic of yourself to the app. The app works out your location. The app tells you who the nearest homosexuals are. You then chat to them. And it's just that simple. So I was reading about the drug trade <laughs> from uh, Europe and the United States and uh, how a record number of uh, tons of cocaine were seized by EU member states, uh, plus Norway and Turkey in 2021. But what they were saying is they're getting so much more money in Europe for the kilos of cocaine that uh, this, it's a struggle now in the United States to uh, keep the kilos because they're not making the money that they would that they're making in europe uh amazing and so they talk about what they're doing to get the drugs into europe and between the you know the cartels and the mafia it's just incredible remember remember the show uh zero 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 on prime if you have not watched that watch it it is that's exactly what that is it's talking about that drug trade and it goes from the Mexican cartels to the U S ship guy, uh, whose daughter is, uh, what's her face? Uh, Andrea Risenborough. Uh, she plays a great part in it. Uh, Gabriel Byrne is in it. There, there's some great characters in it. And then they have the, the mafia in Italy and it's talking about one. The show is based on one particular big shipment that's got to get to this Italian mafia guy. And that's what the Italian mafia guy is waiting to get the shipment because that's going to be the money and the power that he needs to stay in power. And his son wants his power. There's also a struggle there. And then uh, the cartels and the Mexican army talks about how the struggle there and who takes over. And there's one guy that ends up taking over and uh, his dealing with uh, Andrea and her company that is shipping the goods for it's just it's really good it's about uh, I don't know there's like six episodes I think zero 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 how many episodes are in that stupid show eight eight episodes of that show well worth the ride zero 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 on prime but it's almost and I, and, I, and I'm not I, I'm not joking about this it is almost a documentary because I, I know a lot of times that I may misrepresent shows as being documentaries when they're not. I know. I know. But uh, this one actually isn't, but it kind of is. I mean, it's incredible. The money that they're making is almost unbelievable. So they're getting twice the price in Europe than they're getting in the U.S., so in the U.S. is the market is saturated, and so now they're saying that an estimated 3.5 million Europeans using cocaine, four times more than 20 years ago. Okay, uh, so the money involved here that they're they're mostly using containers to move, ship the goods, but it's mostly uh, they're using yachts, fishing boats, private jets, now manned semi-submersibles and submarine drones. We know that because they use that here in this neck in our neck of the woods too, and the business is largely controlled by Mexican mafia gangs 
who once served as middlemen for the Colombian galley and the medallion cartels and are now in command of much of the chain from financing production to organizing smuggling in Europe. I mean, they're just buying jets, you know, $20 million, $30 million jets, using it to ship the goods and then ditching the jet. I'll take the jet when you guys are done with it. If you don't, you know, if you're, you know, you need somebody to take it off your hands. I don't want to see it, you know, lost in a Savannah river and found, uh, you know, a hundred years from now. Give it to me, please. Okay. So this headline got me. All right. A horse gets loose on an airplane, forces it to return to the airport. Now you got me. I'm clicking on that. Because I've now I'm thinking of horses running up and down the aisle, or maybe what I was thinking was it was actually like a little uh, a little Shetland pony or something, someone's service animal, you know that they have you have a little Shetland pony there, and uh, that's your service animal. It gets you know running up and down in the in the plane. That, that's what that's what I it's in my in my head, and I have to know what happened. Well, this uh, Air Atlantic, I'm sorry, I don't want to say their name correctly. Air Atlanta Icelandic flight uh, 4592 reported that uh, there was a loose horse on their plane <laughs> at about Camilla is that you now the play was the story was not about Camilla okay the story was actually about a horse uh, at 31,000 feet they requested that the 747-400 be allowed to return to New York okay so the flight was going from New York's JFK airport to Belgium and it was a cargo flight, and that horse was, you know, obviously one of the pieces of cargo. Uh, they couldn't get the beast secured. <laughs> the pilot's like, "Yeah, we 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 got a we got a horse on the loose, and we can't uh, we can't uh, we can't corral him. So we don't we only need to return. We're a cargo plane. We've got a live animal horse on board, and it escaped its stall. We don't have a problem as of flying wise." But we need to return back to New York. We cannot get the horse back secured. And so they did. But they, in doing so, they had to dump 20 tons of fuel, which is amazing. So just think of that. Uh, over the Atlantic Ocean, I would just dump it. Is that Martha's Vineyard down there? We'll just dump 20. 20 tons of fuel? Oh, holy cow. So then the, they landed back at JFK, requested the help of a veterinarian. Uh, apparently, they probably had to put the horse to sleep. Not dead sleep, but dead asleep. Anyway, and so, because uh, the horse was probably freaking out, man. And uh, so they had a tough time. Yeah, the horse was having, the pilot said the horse is having a tough time. Yeah, no kidding. And so once they got the horse taken care of, they eventually got the flight to take off again it doesn't say if they continued the flight with the horse or without the horse it just says that it took off later and there weren't any other horse related incidents on the flight but now if i'm in belgium and i'm waiting on my horse to arrive from jfk and he doesn't arrive i'm pissed if he does arrive and you've got him you know knocked out on ivermectin that's not what that's used for jeff no i know if you've got him knocked out on ivermectin and he's four hooves to the ceiling when i pick him up at the airport i'm gonna be pissed again right that's what they're thinking now you're gonna 
<laughs> Somebody save my horse. You're if you're spending money to fly a horse from JFK to Belgium, uh, you expect him to be alive when he arrives, don't you? I mean, I do. I do, but what do I know? So, as you know, uh, if you are a listener to Chewing the Fat, you know that no one supports truckers more than me, Jeff Fisher, or this show, Chewing the Fat. No one supports truckers more than me. And I I have a longstanding history with truckers. I love them. Well, I got this email from uh, Jim Grundy, CEO of SISU Energy in Fort Worth, Texas. And he's got a recruiting effort going on now that uh, I may just walk away and start driving trucks right now uh just to put down the microphone i mean, i could actually just start streaming my show live from the tractor of a truck jim welcome to chewing the fat how are you sir hey thanks for having me having a great wednesday here in uh, fort worth texas absolutely so your company sisu energy uh is now having a recruiting effort going on for you I mean you're looking for people to work correct you know, uh, since the pandemic and the response uh, globally and, and what that did to supply chains, there's been some wonderful opportunities that have opened up. And, and one of those here in the U.S. is trucking, and especially what we do is oil and gas uh, uh, trucking that supports, you know, the fracking side uh, energy production. So, okay. So, I mean, that that's wonderful. Now, uh, I was under the impression from uh, some other interviews that I heard that there were a lot of reach out programs going to, you know, high schools and universities and tech schools and whatever saying, Hey, these jobs are available. Uh, so nobody's taking you, taking them up on that. You know, what's fascinating about that is, is, you know, I, I, I'll never be wanted to discredit education, but you know, I've got a master's degree and, and proud to have one. At the same time, though, the dynamics of when I received my degree and, and, and the current state of our economy with inflation, the jobs that are available to new graduates, we have 23, 24-year-olds that work here that drive a truck. Uh, they're owner-operators. They own, they own their own rig. They're making three to $400,000 a year. That's a 23, 24-year-old. That's awesome. So uh, I could just go to your uh, – first of all, I'd just say that if you want a, a job – you can easily uh, find a way to apply at uh, sisuenergyllc.com, uh, sisuenergyllc.com. Now, some of the things that has been a problem uh, f- in the past that I remember uh, reading and hearing about was finding people who were uh, able to do the job, right, which means uh, drug testing, um what else there was a couple other things education obviously isn't an issue you're are you training them to drive the rigs well uh, you bring up a good point Uh, insurance companies are the ones that dictate the rules of who can and can't drive for a company so in in our case you have to have two years verifiable cdl experience to work for us because our insurance is a plus rated they're not taking a risk on a new driver but uh, if you have the desire and the want to, we'll train anybody. Um, if you have that two-year required CDL experience, you, you can sign up with us. We'll put, we'll put you with a seasoned veteran, 
uh, all the expenses are on our dime, no down payments on anything. You simply have to apply. We'll take care of your plates, your permits, everything, and make sure uh, you're safely navigating the roads and then helping our, our energy exploration throughout the U.S. Okay, so uh, what you're really looking for then is you need uh, guys that have already got rigs and I'm not I'm not downplaying that whatsoever. I'm just saying what I could be making you know three four hundred thousand dollars a year if I already have a rig. I just show up and, and I've driven for a couple of years. I show up at your front door and you're ready to hook something up to me. Yeah, but we also have opportunities. So we have a lot of investors that that buy empty trucks, put them on with us, and it's our job to place drivers in those trucks. So if you don't have a rig, that doesn't mean it's a no. Oh, but I, I would call recruiting and let them place you in a rig. Now those guys are making about thirty five percent of total gross. Uh, the average truck does you know four to five hundred thousand a year gross. You're talking about as a driver making one hundred fifty, hundred forty thousand a year. Uh, without owning your own tractor. So there's two different avenues you can take. It's just, uh, you know, which one meets your eye. I love that. And and if, if I don't have a rig, do I, uh, you're that training, is the training process still available to me? Absolutely. Absolutely. Our, our, our team has been with us uh, pre-pandemic. Uh, we opened in 2019, four months before the pandemic started. And so we have a pretty loyal following. <laughs> Uh, terrible timing, but loyal ah, following. Well, I, I know some you know. Uh, some of my son opened up a business right about that same time, and uh, he struggled through it quite well. So I, I, yeah. I it, it can be done. It can be done. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't easy, but well, what they did is because most of other our competitors out there in, in the oil and gas space that that move bulk commodities, they fell you know wayside. They went bankrupt. Uh, uh, we use smart technologies in house. We have about eighteen, nineteen office employees that manage the largest fleet of uh, pneumatic carrier in the U.S. So we can do more with a lot less because of our technology. So that allows us to you know, really turn these assets and make sure they're making the revenue they want to make. So what are you, so when you talk about uh, where are we at with uh, the autonomous trucks and the deliveries there, uh, you're looking for drivers and you have empty tractors uh, and, you know, empty trailers or whatever you're doing for, you know, to create jobs for humans. But we're still in a place now where we're seeing more and more, uh, autonomous vehicles on the road. Now I know they're not delivering. You know, if it were up to me, I would say that the you know the autonomous trucks should be would be able to maybe deliver up you know drive on the highways. But once you get inside, uh, uh, you know whatever city limits, that goes to humans. But that's just a fight, uh, probably a lost cause. But uh, where are you at with that? Well, there's a massive company in Europe called Volta. Uh, they made a big push for autonomous driving. They just kept file chapter 11, uh, <laughs> bankrupt. And, and so on paper, look on napkins, it looks great. But the reality is, is, is we're, we're a few decades away, um, from even just the inner city autonomous trucks moving around. There's still a, a, a substantial hazard there's, Oh, yeah, the people, the actual humans are what to worry about. That's why I was saying it, it would be, to me, it would make sense to use them on the highways, uh, you know, outside of municipal areas. But I'm not a politician. And, and, I'm not yeah. fighting for that. I'm just saying it would make sense in my eyes. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and uh, there, there's a two-pronged approach here. Uh, you have a big electric push, which they, they're they now seeing is not cheaper, and it's not better for the environment. 
And then you have right. uh, on the highways, it does make sense, but you still have to have a driver behind the wheel. Um, yeah, I've seen those. So really, yeah, so it really doesn't uh, alleviate, you know, a driver's... Um, uh, no, I understand, correct. but you're saying we're. I mean, you're saying uh, they're they're making uh, the world believe that we are, you know, a, a year or two away from it happening, and you're saying we're decades away from yeah, having it happen. Because <laughs> I, I mean, I know I realize the ones I see on the road still have you know a human in it, but they yeah. are they're leading me to believe that that human's going to be gone relatively soon. No, I mean, no, no way. It, 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 Inside our space, I mean, the biggest trucking company in the U.S. is J.B. Hunt. Um, they've experimented with some stuff. I come from J.B. Hunt, really close to those guys. We're decades away from doing things of that nature. It's nothing that, you know, humans aren't being replaced anytime soon. Great opportunities for trucking right now, especially in the oil and gas space, as these autonomous vehicles can't go off-road, which is where we work, out in the desert, right, uh, right. in the middle of nowhere. So it doesn't really impact what we do. But, I mean, hey, if there's a market for it and it creates jobs down the road, wonderful. But it's not a year or two away. That's just uh, political uh, nonsense. So uh, do you work with uh, the uh, Texas, you know, the Railroad Commission, say, like, who I heard speaking about this uh, uh, at some length was Wayne Christian, the commissioner from the Texas Railroad Commission. And he was talking about uh, doing reach out programs and how you know these jobs were available, not necessarily uh, you know specifically from you at SISU, but the jobs of trucking through uh, through Texas and uh, you know energy. And uh, so, uh, do you work in part with them as well? We do. Uh, there's been a, a massive response uh, from what we've done post-pandemic, what we've been doing for the last few years, helping people get back on their feet and trying to be a part of the solution. Uh, there, There is a massive gap between truckers that have retired. Uh, pandemic forced a lot of truckers out. They forced them out of their trucks. They couldn't make, make rent, uh, pay right. the bills. And then what you're seeing is uh, the demonization of traditional blue-collar jobs, such as plumbers, electricians, truck drivers. And these are all six-figure jobs that have been demonized. And, and a lot of folks are trying to trick folks into sitting behind a desk making thirty, forty, fifty thousand out of college. And they wonder why they can't afford a home or get out of the parents' <laughs> homes. Uh, that's why. I mean, they're, they're on – they're they're being misled about opportunities. If the end game really is financial freedom, then why are you not putting yourself in positions for financial freedom? And it can't be behind a, a desk working for a corporation for 10 years to your 20s. So that, that's just not a good answer anymore. It's behind the wheel of a rig, baby. Let's do the it. The lifeblood of America. The, the truckers on the road. I, I love it. So, Jim, uh, tell me what I have to do to make, uh, you know, $500,000 a year driving a truck. What do I have got to do? Yeah. Uh, first, you need to figure out your lifestyle. Uh, this lifestyle is not for everybody. It's not like they're at home every night seeing their family. These guys, you know, my our top driver's from Utah. Uh, he, he goes home about once every two to three months. Um, but when he's out there, you know, last year, north of $500,000 net. Um, it, so it can be done, but you have to commit to that lifestyle. So what you're saying, Jim, is I wouldn't have to see my wife for once, only once every three months? Now you're you would, you're starting you to you're starting to sell me. Months. You're starting if to sell me. But go ahead. Yes, it, 
it's a win-win for her too. She <laughs> doesn't have to see you either, you know. But you, and that's not what you have to do. That's what, if you want to make the top earner money. That you know you have to think about things of that nature. Um, you, what you put in is what you're going to get out of it right. over here. We have some guys that right. do a quarter million a year and they're happy with that. Other guys are doing six, seven hundred thousand in revenue. Right, so. but the jobs are there, is what you're saying, and Absolutely. we need the jobs are there and available. Just make it happen today. Really, go to S I S U Energy llc.com correct yes sir all right jim thank you I, i'll keep in touch uh, i appreciate uh, i appreciate all your hard work thank you and uh i appreciate you coming on chewing the fat today thank you hey appreciate it thanks for having us absolutely Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.